0: Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, An Eternal Weight of Glory, Part 1. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Our episode last week, Tribulation in Summary, Part 2, was posted on September 24th. Last week we continued reviewing episode segments in our summer series about Tribulation. Hopefully, we have learned two things at the very least. One, that trials and tribulations will occur in our lives. We cannot evade them in any way. There are false reasonings as to how we can avoid trials and tribulations that, as I said, are false and do not work at all. The second thing is that our Bibles tell us that in this life we will have tribulation. Notice the verse which reads These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. From the American King James, John chapter 16, verse 33. So, if tribulation, which is much worse than trials, Is that certain that Jesus told us, in the world you shall have tribulation? Then why does this sadden us? The answer to that question is in the same verse of which Jesus tells us three things in total. He finishes that sentence with, But be of. To find out more, Listen to our previous episode titled, Tribulation, In Summary, Part 2, posted on September 24th. You can also listen to our summer series episodes starting with, Tribulation, What Is It? Part 1, posted on June 4th, 2023. This week, our study is titled, An Eternal Weight of Glory, Part 1. We touched on this subject in the last two verses found in Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. However, it is only part of a larger text on this subject. It reads, But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. We are experiencing trouble on every side, but are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are knocked down, but not destroyed. Always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our body. For we who are alive are constantly being handed over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be made visible in our mortal body. As a result, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. But since we have the same spirit of faith as that shown in what has been written, I believed. Therefore, I spoke. We also believe, therefore, we also speak. We do so because we know that the one who raised up Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will bring us with you into his presence. For all these things are for your sake, so that the grace that is including more and more people may cause thanksgiving to increase to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not despair, but even if our physical body is wearing away, our inner person is being renewed day by day. For our momentary light suffering is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Because we are not looking at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. From Second Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. Again, last week, and in one of our summer series episodes, we touched on these last two verses in this passage. So let us look deeper into this passage and see what is there to better understand what the eternal weight of glory really is and or about. Also, is it possible for any of us to have this eternal weight of glory in us and or waiting for us as well? Starting with verse 7, For clarity, it reads, But we have this treasure in clay jars, so that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Notice the first segment of the first sentence. But we have this treasure in clay jars, comma. A treasure in clay jars? Clay jars break in any number of mishap situations, accidental or not. Clay jars, in the day these words were spoken and written, mostly had no secure covers. So, why would one place a treasure in a clay jar? We need to specifically note that a clay jar is an analogy for people. While we have no place to pour in or pour out like a clay jar, neither is the treasure like that of gold or something else that is physical. Yet, that treasure spoken of here is more valuable than physical gold of any quantity. It is placed in the clay jars, or it is placed in us who resemble clay jars. The analogy of us being clay jars is to demonstrate just how fragile humanity really is in this life. Notice further how this verse closes after the comma, so that the extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. This illustrates a problem with people. As God's people, we are endowed with several forms of special gifting through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. This is why these extraordinary powers belong to God alone, not to mankind. They are gracefully used through us by the Holy Spirit in a moment of ministry to another. Now, let us add some understanding by definition. This treasure, this knowledge of Christ, and the gospel which they were to publish. Earthen vessels, feeble, frail, dying men, or, as some translations read, clay jars. The excellency of the power, that it may be seen That the power which gives success is of God. The character and condition of ministers of the gospel have always been such as to show that their success was of God, and that the fact that Christianity has lived and triumphed, notwithstanding their weaknesses and unworthiness, is a standing demonstration of its divine origin from Family Bible Notes from the Nazarene Users Group. Notice further that a specific group of people have this treasure and excellency of the power. But we, not only the apostles, but all true believers, have this treasure of divine light, love, glory, and earthen vessels in frail, feeble, perishing bodies. He proceeds to show that afflictions, yes, death itself, are so far from hindering the ministration of the Spirit, capital S meaning the Holy Spirit, that they even further it. Sharpen the ministers and increase the fruit, that the excellence of the power which works these in us, may undeniably appear to be of God. From John Wesley's Notes on the Bible. Now, notice these words. Treasure, earthen vessels, also known as clay jars, and the excellency of the power, also known as the extraordinary power that belongs to God because it belongs to God, it most certainly is not owned by us. It also is not used by people at their own will. We are only used with that power by God as He wills. We have no hold on this power that is in us as born-again Christians. We earthen vessels, clay jars, are feeble, frail, dying men and women. This is why the power of God lives in His people by the Holy Spirit and moves through them. He chooses to reveal it through His people by the indwelling Holy Spirit. It can be seen further that this is not only of His apostles, but all true believers. That means, even today, all of us who are saved in Christ, he proceeds to show that afflictions, yes, death itself, are so far from hindering the ministration of the Holy Spirit that they even further it, sharpen the ministers, and increase the fruit. Let us dig deeper into this understanding of God's Word so it is as clear as possible. The treasure of the gospel, the rich and invaluable truths which they were called to preach to others. The word treasure is applied to these truths on account of their inestimable worth. Paul in the previous verses had spoken of the gospel, the knowledge of Jesus Christ, as full of glory and infinitely precious. This rich blessing had been committed to him and his fellow laborers, to dispense it to others, and to diffuse it abroad. His purpose in this And the following verses is to show that it had been so entrusted to them as to secure all the glory of its propagation to God, and so also as to show its unspeakable value. For this purpose, he not only affirms that it is a treasure, but says that it had been so entrusted to them as to show the power of God in its propagation, that it had shown its value in sustaining them in their many trials, and they had showed their sense of its worth by being willing to endure all kinds of trial in order to make it everywhere known. The expression here is similar to that which the Savior uses when he calls the gospel, quote, the pearl of great price, end quote. Matthew, chapter 13, verse 46. From Barnes, New Testament Notes. We first want to read the short context our reference verse is found in. Matthew, chapter 13. Each one speaks of the kingdom of heaven. They tell us in parable form what the kingdom of heaven is to give us a definition for the kingdom of heaven. Quote the following three quick parables on the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that a person found and hid, then because of joy, he went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. When he found a pearl of great value, he went out and sold everything he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast into the sea and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, they pulled it ashore, sat down, and put the good fish into containers, and threw the bad away. It will be this way at the end of the age. Angels will come and separate the evil from the righteous, and throw them into the fiery furnace, where there will be the weeping and gnashing of teeth. From Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 50. The reason I included the larger context is to show how three small parables speak simply of heaven. We have three valid examples of what heaven is like. 1. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. 2. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant. 3. The kingdom of heaven is like a net. The treasure is hidden in a field. The merchant searches for the fine pearls. The net was cast into the sea that caught all kinds of fish. All three of these analogies are correct for describing the kingdom of heaven. I hope these three parables, analogies, give us a bigger description in total of what heaven is like. Further, The first two parables tell us that we need to relinquish all that we own and receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. The third parable tells us why and is like the parable of the wheat and the tares, which also describes this similar separation as with the fish after they were caught. Quickly, for remembrance, The parable of the wheat and the tares reads, He presented them with another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a person who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the plants sprouted and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. So the slaves of the owner came and said to him, "'Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? "'Then where did the weeds come from?' "'He said, An enemy has done this. "'So the slaves replied, Do you want us to go and gather them?' "'But he said, No, since in gathering the weeds "'you may uproot the wheat with them. "'Let both grow together until the harvest.' At harvest time, I will tell the reapers first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned, but then gather the wheat into my barn. From Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30. This quick analysis of this parable is The design and scope of this parable is to show that there is no expectation of universal purity. In the Church of God in this life, but as the tares and the wheat grow together in the same field, so hypocrites and sincere Christians are and will be intermixed in the same Church, and can hardly be discerned one from the other. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. As you can see, we are talking about the same thing regardless of where in Scripture we look. So, not only is the kingdom like a treasure, a merchant, and a net, it is also like a wheat field with tares or weeds. The wheat plants are the analogy for God's children saved in Him. The tares or weeds are those unsaved people by either choice or lack of knowledge. Now. Let us get a better understanding of what earthen vessels or clay jars are. In earthen vessels, this refers to the apostles and ministers of religion as weak and feeble, as having bodies decaying and dying, as fragile and liable to various accidents, and as being altogether unworthy to hold a treasure so invaluable, as if Valuable diamonds and gold were placed in vessels of earth, of coarse composition. Easily broken and liable to decay. The word vessel means properly any utensil or instrument and is applied usually to utensils of household furniture or hollow vessels for containing things. It is applied to the human body as made of clay and therefore frail and feeble with reference to it containing anything as e.g. treasure. The word rendered earthen means that which is made of shells and then burnt clay probably because vessels were at first made of burnt shells. It is fitted well to represent the human body frail, fragile, and easily reduced again to dust. The purpose of Paul here is to show that it was by no excellency of his nature that the gospel was originated. It was in virtue of no rigor and strength which he possessed that it was propagated, but that it had been of design Committed by God to weak, decaying, and crumbling instruments, in order that it might be seen that it was by the power of God that such instruments were sustained in the trials to which they were exposed, and in order that it might be manifest to all that it was not originated and diffused by the power of those to whom it was entrusted. The idea is that they were altogether insufficient of their own strength to accomplish what was accomplished by the gospel. From Barnes New Testament Notes. I think that gives us a clear view of us as earthen vessels or clay jars. However. This statement is worthy to note. The word rendered earthen means that which is made of shells and then burnt clay, probably because vessels were at first made of burnt shells. It is fitted well to represent the human body frail, fragile, and easily reduced again to dust. It had been of design. Committed by God to weak, decaying, and crumbling instruments, in order that it might be seen that it was by the power of God that such instruments were sustained in the trials to which they were exposed, and in order that it might be manifest to all that it was not originated and diffused by the power of those to whom it was entrusted. What is being spoken of when the phrase that the excellency of the power is used? That the excellency of the power, an elegant expression denoting the exceeding great power, the great power referred to here was that which was manifested in connection with the labors of the apostles. The power of healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out devils, the power of bearing persecution and trial, and the power of carrying the gospel over sea and land in the midst of danger, and in spite of all the opposition which men could make, whether as individuals or as combined, and especially the power of converting the hearts of sinners, of humbling the proud, and leading the guilty to the knowledge of God and the hope of heaven. The idea is that all this was manifestly beyond human strength, and that God had of design chosen weak and feeble instruments in order that it might be Everywhere seen that it was done not by human power but by God's own power, the instrumentally employed was altogether disproportionate in its nature to the effect produced. From Barnes New Testament Notes, this too is very clearly expressed. However, it should be emphasized. All this was manifestly beyond human strength, and that God had of design chosen weak and feeble instruments in order that it might be everywhere seen that it was done not by human power, but by His own. Can you see that we not only serve God through service? to others, but by His Holy Spirit also working through us, which produces the power of healing the sick, raising the dead, and casting out devils, the power of bearing persecution and trial, and the power of carrying the gospel over sea and land in the midst of danger, and especially the power of converting the hearts of sinners of humbling the proud and leading the guilty to the knowledge of god and the hope of heaven from barnes new testament notes god often makes use of the most feeble and unlearned and weak of his servants to accomplish the greatest effects it is not splendid talents Or profound learning, or distinguished eloquence, that is always or even commonly most successful. Often the ministry of such is entirely barren, while some humble and obscure man shall have constant success, and revivals shall attend him wherever he goes. It is the man of faith and prayer and self-denial that is blessed, and the purpose of God in the ministry, as in everything else, is to stain the pride of all human glory, and to show that God is all in all. From Barnes New Testament Notes. Remember this comment from Barnes. It is the man of faith, or the woman of faith, and prayer, and self-denial that is blessed, and the purpose of God in the ministry, as in everything else, is to stain the pride of all human glory, and to show that God is all in all. Next week, our episode is titled, An Eternal Weight of Glory, Part 2. What happens when we are experiencing troubles on every side, when we are perplexed, or when we are persecuted? To find out more, join us next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic, Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. If you are unsaved, We truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission vision ministry and more again a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description find our website at h t t p s colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot o r g please type the Church of the Unchurched as a single word with no hyphen or spaces in Unchurched. Our mobile, tablet, and desktop-compliant website has more information, links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item. We are found on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify, to name a few. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, East Coast Time, USA. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms, Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.